Amen. Grab a seat this morning, and I know we're, you know what, no matter how we slice it, here we go, This I'm making notes of this, the red is the section to be in today, all right? All right, usually it's the middle. You, you guys uh, didn't know that we did that on purpose. We put the comfortable chairs in the middle to try to, try to see how it would go, and, and it, and it uh, had an effect. Uh, this morning, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what we're going to do here in just, just a moment, but let's start with some praises. What do you praise God for this morning? All right, go ahead. Your family's here with you. Let's clap for the snows, all right? What else you praise God for this morning? Ruth got to come home, all right. And uh, I know she'll be around with us. She, she just came in yesterday or yesterday evening, so that's, that's exciting. <laughs> it was a, a surprise for all of you guys. How about one from over here? This is a smaller group, but the sunshine. Amen. Amen. Uh, so this morning... You know, sometimes, sometimes we need uh, to be uh, just reminded of uh, that God is a new God, Amen. And here we are; we're meeting again in our uh, in our our space here. When we get done today, I'll do a short meeting. Uh, just if you would like to stick around to hear an update about what we're going to be doing and how we're going to uh, be using this this facility as soon as we can and and uh, getting everything put back in order. Uh, we'll do that after the service. But this morning, um, I asked Philip if I could do something a little different, and that is to jump in with our with the message early in the service today. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is we don't really have all of our kids' stuff going. And raise your hand if you're a kid this morning. I, I heard uh, I heard a, a a study on this, and they said, you know. Uh, kids, if you do the message at the beginning and you get them involved a little bit, by the time you get to the singing, they're ready to stand up and kind of move around a little bit. So we're going to try it this morning uh, in that order, all right? Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you for speaking to us through song and through your word, through praises, uh, letting us come in the door this morning and, and be a part of, of, a, of a people of God. Lord, I pray for this week, uh, specifically for some of our teachers who are, who are getting a break this week, I pray uh, that they would be refreshed and the, the, the families would have a great spring break. And Lord, I pray this morning as we look at, at uh, humility that you would help us to be a people who are humble. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, all right, you have a Bible, Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to start. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to start. Now, last week I opened by talking and and reminding you that over the next couple of weeks as we get to Easter, we're going to look at some crucial conversations from Jesus. Some of Jesus' teaching that we need to listen up to. Have you ever uh, had a, a friend come to you or maybe a coach come to you and need to tell you something and you really weren't prepared to listen, you were kind of already zoned out, and they said, no, hang on, you need to hear what I'm saying because this applies to you. In Jesus' teaching, sometimes we get in this idea, and I mentioned last week, 
uh, the different signs that we have. All the and I heard some good stories about signs, uh, signs that we put up, and, and you kind of wonder, well, well, what's that sign for? That applies to somebody else, right? That uh, that rule applies to somebody else. And Jesus's teaching, what we're looking at this morning, what we're looking at in the next couple of weeks as we go to Easter, we're looking at Jesus's teaching with the assumption of this. That his teaching is not for somebody else out there, it's for us today. Jesus' teaching isn't the, a message that somebody else needs to hear, it's a message that I need to hear. I was reminded of a, uh, a good story I heard uh, about a pastor, and he pastored a small country church, and, and he had this one, this one lady in his church, and she was the town gossip, and she just judged people and just talked bad about people all the time, but she was there every Sunday. And there's one Sunday in particular where um, it was a snow Sunday, and they had service anyways, and he showed up, the pastor showed up, and there was only one other person, and it was this little old lady. And so he, he looked at her, and he said, well, I'm going to preach a message just, just for you today. And so he, he changed his message to talk about gossip and to talk about judging people and he got done and he just laid it out there and he just he just shared his heart about what this what this lady needed to hear and at the end he stood at the back and she came by and she goes preacher they should have been here to hear that one today right they really they really needed to hear that message and sometimes in Jesus's teaching that's kind of where we where we get to we get we open God's word and we say you know what there's some people out there that really need this they really need to hear this and my prayer, as we look at some of Jesus' warnings, some of, some of his alarms, and he says, hey, watch out for this. And, he's, and he says, be like this, that we look at that and we say, you know what? That ain't for the people out there today. That's for me right here today. Amen? Jesus' teaching, Jesus' words are not just for the people out there. It's for everybody, right? But we need to include ourselves in this and say, you know what? There's something in Jesus' teaching that I can still grow in. There's something in, in what he shares in his message that I can, I'm still not there yet. I need Jesus to help me get further down the road of my walk with the Lord. All right, John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 14, Luke ch chapter 14, uh, verse 7. Luke chapter 14, verse 7. And we're going to look at two passages in Luke today that are kind of tied together with the same theme. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 7. Seven. Uh, the, the, the key here is that Jesus was at uh, the home of a Pharisee, um, and it says this in verse 7. When he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, this is talking about Jesus, he told them this parable. So, so this is what's happening. They're all coming in, um, and the table order was important. You think about a table today, uh, maybe a big, long table. Like, I've been over to the Snow's house. How long is y'all's kitchen or dining table? Like, 16 foot, it seems like. Uh, big table. Everybody sits around. Maybe you say, well, the, the, uh, the, the, the person of honor sits at the head of the table. The, the way that they sat was not at tables and chairs. It was maybe a low table, and everybody's reclining. You see that word used by Jesus a lot? They were reclining 
Jesus was reclining at the table. They were laying around the table. And so there's one idea here. Um, we don't really know for sure how they had it all designed, but it was, it was probably going to be kind of a U-shaped table, okay? So a U-shaped table. So at the top of the U, you got the person of honor, and then to either side, you know, it, it's like more important and then less important way down at the end. And so... Um, that's, that's key to remember here, that it mattered where you sat. If you were important, you were, you were at the front of the table. Uh, it says when, when Jesus, it says when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then, then you will be honored in the presence of all of your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself, this is Jesus' key point here. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. A lot of Jesus' ministry, a lot of his teaching emphasizes, and he points to, humility. Christ was humble. Now, sometimes in our world today we say, well, if you're humble, you're weak and you're pushed around, and our world doesn't operate like that. But Jesus did. And Jesus wasn't weak, amen? He was not weak, but he, was, he, he preached and he taught humility. He says, hey, don't put yourself at the top. Put yourself at the bottom. Humble yourself. We're going to look at that this morning. The first truth this morning that I want you to see as Jesus is watching this unfold, the first truth is very simple, that we must watch out for pride and arrogance. Humility is something that we have to work on. Humility is something that we have to strive for as followers of Jesus. There's a warning attached to this. There's a danger associated with pridefulness and arrogance and putting yourself at the very front. There's a warning in that this morning. Over in Luke chapter 18. So that's one part where Jesus is talking about this. Luke uh, chapter 18 verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Another, another teaching of Jesus on the same subject a little later. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Let me read that again. Who is this parable to? This parable is to some who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on on everybody else. Now, here's the warning this morning. This parable has a to and from label on it. It's from Jesus, and it's to a group of people who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Now, we can all think about this, and we can all say, you know, I know some people that are too confident. I know some people that are confident in themselves, and they just look down on everybody else. I know those people out there. Let me, let me warn us again. This message that we're reading today, yes, it's for people out there, but it's for us today. 
So put yourself in there. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've ever looked down on anybody? Has there ever been one time that you've looked, and some of you are like, well, no, I've never looked down on anybody. I'm perfect. Maybe you're, maybe you're the person here that says that you're confident of your own righteousness. If you say you've never looked down on anybody, maybe you fall into one of those two categories. So here's the parable, and if you're honest, if we're honest today, we can all take warning in this. He says this, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. All right? He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. That's the man's prayer. Thank you, Lord. Let me read it again. He says, thank you, uh, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Same message, same idea, that if you put yourself at the top, you're missing the point of being a follower of Jesus. You're missing a point of being a follower of the Lord. There is a danger of being prideful and arrogant and building and self-puffing ourselves up. And it's easy for us to identify that in other people, but sometimes we need, to, uh, help, we need to help ourselves by saying, Lord, show me where I fit in this. Do I approach the throne of God by, by coming to God and basically saying, God, I have done some great things for you this week. Let me, just, let me just remind you and give you the list so you can tell me how good I am. Or the tax collector who, who in, the, in this time, if you think about worship for these guys, the Pharisee could go into the temple. He could go into uh, uh, the, 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 the place for Jewish men for sure, right? And then based on how his standing was, you get closer and closer in the temple to the Holy of Holies. Where a tax collector, if you look at the drawing of the temple, um, the tax collector probably would have to be outside of the building where the Gentiles who worship God could go. So not even getting, getting in, in, the, in, the, in the door of the, the inner courts there. And so this man, he, he's humble and he shares, this, the, he shares his heart with the Lord and he confesses to the Lord that he had a need to be saved. He had a need to, 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 to deal with his sin. As we read this story this morning, as we look at Jesus' teaching, I'm reminded of this. God desires us to approach him in humility. When we approach the Lord in arrogance, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing that Adam and Eve did, aren't we? We're coming to God and saying, God, I'm equal with you, right? I'm, 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 uh, I'm, 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 I'm good on my own. None of us. The Bible says none, not one, is righteous before the Lord. 
one sinner, one tax collector comes and he, and he beats his chest like somebody who is mourning the loss of a loved one. And he says, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. I need forgiveness. In humility he comes and Jesus says, I tell you this, this man rather than the other, the one who, uh, who, who, who came in humility, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will will be exalted. Number two this morning, I'm going to get some help. So number one point this morning is there is a danger that we need to watch out for of pride and arrogance. Number two, now I told you I was going to change it up, so, so I, I feel like we're losing the kids again. Uh, we got some great seats right here. Kids, y'all come right up here. Y'all come sit right up here. I've got some help with point number two. Faith Weaver is going to help me out this morning. Can you, can you uh, hit that number number one? All right. Y'all had reading day at school this week, right? Here, have a seat right there on that second row. Or here, y'all y'all just squish together. There you go. Share a seat with Eli. There we go. All right. Y'all had reading week, right? This is my favorite story. Anybody ever read Yurtle the Turtle? Y'all ever read this one? All right. Yeah, Eli's read it because we read it a lot. I'm going to get Faith to help me with Yertle the Turtle this morning, all right? I'm going to tell you how it ties in the sermon. In fact, I want you all to think about something that ties into what I just talked about. We're going to tie that with the adults, okay? Can you do that? All right. On the faraway land of Island Samalasan, Yertle the Turtle was king of the pond. A nice little pond. It was clean. It was neat. The water was warm. There was plenty to eat. The turtles had everything turtles might need, and they were happy, quite happy, indeed. They were, until Yertle, the king of them all, decided the kingdom he ruled was too small. I'm ruler, said Yertle, of all that I see. But I don't see enough. That's the trouble with me. With this stone for a throne, I look down on my pond. But I cannot look down on the places beyond. This throne that I sit on is too, too low down. It ought to be higher, he said with a frown. If I could sit high, how much greater I'd be. What a king. I'm, I'd be ruler of all I could see. So Yertle, the turtle king, lifted his hand, and Yertle, the turtle king, gave a command. He ordered nine turtles to swim to his stone, and using these turtles, he built a new throne. He made each turtle stand on another's, another one's back, and he piled them all up in a nine-turtle stack. And then Yertle climbed up. He sat down on the pile. What a wonderful view! He could see most a mile. All mine, Yertle cried. Oh, the things I now rule. I'm king of a cow. I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house. And what's more beyond that? I'm king of a blueberry bush and a cat. I'm Yertle the turtle. Oh, marvelous me. For I'm the ruler that all of all that I see. And although, th and although that morning he sat up there high, saying over and over, A great king am I. Until long about noon, then he heard a faint sigh. 
What's that? snapped the king, and he looked down the stack, and he saw at the bottom a turtle named Mac. Just a part of his throne, and this pale little, plain little turtle looked up, and he said, Beg your pardon, King Yertle, I've pains in my back and shoulders and knees. How long must we stand here, your majesty, please? Silence, the king of the turtles barked back. I'm king, and you're only a turtle named Mac. You stay in your place while I sit here and roll. I'm king of a cow, I'm king of e and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house, and a bush, and a cat. But that isn't all. I'll do better than that. My throne shall be higher, this royal voice thundered. So, my pi so pile up more turtles. I want about two hundred. Turtles, more turtles, he bellowed and brayed, and the turtles weighed down in the pond were afraid. They trembled, they shook, but they came, they obeyed. From all over the pond they came swimming by dozens, whole families of turtles with uncles and cousins, and all of them stepped on the head of poor Mac. One after another they climbed up the stack. Then, Yertle the turtle was perched up so high he could see forty miles from his throne in the sky. Hooray! shouted Yertle. I'm king of the trees. I'm king of the birds, and I'm king of the bees. I'm king of the butterflies, king of the air. Ah me, what a throne, what a wonderful chair. I'm Yertle the turtle, oh marvelous me, for I am the ruler that all, of all that I see. Then again, from below, in the great heavy stack, came a groan from that plain little turtle named Mac. Your Majesty, please, I don't like to complain, but down here below we are feeling great pain. I know up on top you are seeing great sights, but down at the bottom we too should have rights. We turtles can't stand it. Our shells will all crack. Besides, we need food. We are starving, groaned Mac. You hush up your mouth, howled the mighty King Yertle. You have no rights to talk to the world's highest turtle. I, ru I rule from the clouds, over land, over sea. There's nothing, no nothing, that's higher than me. But while he was shouting, he saw with a surprise that the moon of the evening was starting to rise. Up over his head in the darkening skies, what's that? snorted Yertle. Say, what is that? thing that dares to be higher than Yertle the king. I shall not allow it. I'll go higher still. I'll build my throne higher. I can and I will. I'll call some more turtles. I'll stack them to heaven. I need about 5,607. But Yertle the turtle king lifted his but as Yertle the Turtle King lifted his hands and started to order and give the command, that plain little turtle below in the stack, that plain little turtle whose name was just Mac, decided he'd taken enough. And he had. That plain little turtle lad got a little bit mad, and that plain little Mac did a plain little thing. He burped, and his burp shook the throne of the king. And Yertle the turtle king, king of the trees, king of the air and the birds and the bees, the king of a house and a cow and a mule, 
Well, that was the end of the Turtle King's rule. For Yertle, the king of this of all Salamasan, fell off his high throne and fell plunk into the pond. And today, the great Yertle, the marvelous tea, is the king of the mud. That is all he can see. And the turtles, of course, all the turtles are free as turtles knit, as turtles and maybe all creatures should be. All right, so what did y'all pull out of that that ties to what the, to, to Jesus' teaching? Bentley, what do you think? What's that? Okay. All right, anybody else? Hala? Yeah, was the Yertle, the Turtle King, was he a good ruler? Why not? Yeah? Was he being humble or selfish? He was being selfish. And God says, don't be selfish. All right, good job. Y'all go have a seat back with your parents. Thank you very much. I told you it'd be a little different. Okay, so there you go. Yertle the turtle. Man, I'm going to tell you, I love that story, and you can learn a lot from kids' books, from kids' Bibles even. I learn a lot. Here's what I'm reminded of as I think about Yertle the turtle, and I look to Jesus, not for Yerda the, the turtle, okay? That's, that's way different. I look to Jesus, and I look to humility, and here's what I, what I remember and what I need, what we need to, re, to remember this morning is that humility will do a couple things. The second point this morning is humility will make us good leaders in a world that's, that's starving for good leaders. Look around, no matter if you're um, a teacher or you're a mom or a dad or just a neighbor or a business owner or an employee the world is in great need of people who will lead with humility servant leaders I'm so thankful for my time at Howard Payne uh, down in Brownwood where I went to college they made a big deal about servant leadership that was like one of the uh, the core things that they talked about with the ministry students about being a servant leader and it comes out of Jesus was a servant leader he wasn't afraid to wash the disciples feet now you can't find a better leader than Jesus he is the greatest leader we can look at so as we take this principle this idea of humility I look at our families and I'm reminded that humility will help us dads will help us moms be good leaders of our kids humility not putting ourselves and our own desires first, but being humble as we approach leading our families. Husbands, as we love our wives in humility. Wives, as we love our husbands in humility. That will make us better leaders in the home and in our world. Proverbs 25, 7 says, For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Over in James chapter 4, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and will, he will lift you up in honor. You know, sometimes when we approach leadership, we say, well, I need the title, or I need the authority, or I need this. And I want to tell you something. If you look at Jesus' teaching and the way that he called disciples and the way that he ministered, it wasn't about the title. It was about the person in the heart. 
It wasn't about this person had a degree from Pharisee University or Sadducee University. It was about this person was willing to be an obedient and humble follower of Jesus. And this story that we just read about the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee knew more about God. The Pharisee knew more scripture. He had more learning. He had more education than the tax collector about things of God. But yet when they got to the point of praying and communicating to the Lord, one was pleasing to God and one was not. And it was because of humility that the, that the tax collector could come before the Lord and be received by the Lord. Humility will make us great leaders in the world, not our own doing. Number three this morning, humility advances and grows the kingdom of God. When you and I are humble, when you and I have humility in our walk with the Lord and in our, in our world, we advance the kingdom of God. Over in Philippians, Paul says this. He says uh, in chapter 2 of Philippians, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And he says this, Do nothing, Christians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He talks about Jesus' humility here. He says, Jesus, who being in, in very nature God, he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, meaning Jesus, made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Talking about Jesus here. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, because of Jesus' humility, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I read that passage, and I see... Paul explaining it. He says, he says, be humble. Don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. Look at, look at Jesus and be like Jesus. Have the same mindset, the same attitude as Jesus. And then he describes Jesus being God Almighty, coming to earth, had every right to boss people around. He had every right to say, you get up out of my seat. I'm going to sit there because I'm I'm God. You, you go to the back of the line. Let me come to the front of the line because I'm more important than you. Jesus, time and time again, had opportunities to do that. And what did he do? What did he model? He modeled servant leadership. He, he modeled humble attitude of serving God in authority. He said, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. That's what the, the, the lowest of low were supposed to do. 
That's what, that's what Jesus was not supposed to do. And yet he says, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to serve other people. And it advanced his kingdom. And that's what we're called to be today. Humble followers of Jesus. It doesn't make us weak to be humble. It doesn't make us uh, less important. It doesn't take the place away that we're, we deserve to be. We have to trust the Lord with that. We have to trust that as we follow Jesus in humility, as we serve the Lord behind the scenes where nobody's watching, as we, as we live in character at our workplaces and we don't, do, we don't take shortcuts and we don't do things that we're not supposed to do, not because we, want to, we don't want to do those things, but because we know that that's the right thing to do and we're, we humbly submit to the Lord in every area of our life and we let God figure out the rest. We let God figure out the order of how it's going to shake out in, in eternity. Number four this morning, last point, humility keeps our feet on the grace of God and makes us good worshipers. You can't come, and we're going to sing some more songs here in just a second. You can't sing these songs today. You can't worship God today and come to God and say, God, I'm doing you a favor by being here today. I'm doing you a favor by being here to worship you. When you focus on the humility of Jesus and you look at Jesus' life and you try to have that in your life and you try to say, okay, I'm going to try to try that in my life. When you're like that and your feet are on the grace of Jesus, you become a good worshiper of Jesus. Our salvation has to start in humility. If you've never humbly come before God and said, God, I need saving grace if you've never done that then you my friend are not saved humility is a part of salvation that's the abc's of christian is admitting a i admit i have sinned i admit i need help from god i admit that i've fallen short of perfection and god is so good when we humbly come before him he doesn't look at us and say you're you're no good to me get away he says, I love you. In fact, I love you enough to go to the cross for you because of your sinfulness. Salvation starts in humility. Our Christian life must remain in humility because if we, if we move on past that, we become like the Pharisee in the story we just read. We start coming to, to, and doing church and we start walking around as, as, as Christians and we start saying, you know what, I've done pretty good. I've, I've, I'm, you know what, I've, I'm kind of working my way up above all these other people, closer to God. That's not humility. That's, that's you. That's you building yourself up. Humility keeps us at the cross. Humility keeps our Christian life remaining, remembering our salvation. A couple of verses to share with you this morning as I wrap up. Jesus says this in Matthew 20. It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, talking about himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Over in, in, a, a little f uh, uh, further down here in John 13, you're going to see, uh, and I encourage you to read this passage. This is a great devotional for you as a family at home. 
John 13, Jesus, right before he's going to the cross, washes his disciples' feet. And he says this in there, he says, or the, the scripture says this. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew that all things were under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. All right? So Jesus knew all that. He knew that everything was in his power, that he had come from God, that he was going to be returning to God. And then this is what it says. It says, so, so this is what he did. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That's the message of Jesus. That's his teaching for us. Humility. Folks, this morning, if you're walking with Jesus, as we sing these, these songs this morning, ask the Lord to show you if, if you've got danger in your life of being humble man uh, my my father-in-law Larry used to always say I'm uh, jokingly okay he would say I'm I'm the most humble person I know right I'm the most humble person I know some of us we laugh about that but if we're honest there's there's places in our life where where we're putting people down where we're not humbly approaching our 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 work we're not humbly approaching the Lord we're we're arrogant and we're prideful in different places. As the Lord reveals that to you as a Christian, you need to confess that to God and go back to the cross and humbly come before the Lord and say, hey, I missed it in this area. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, and, and as we sing these songs, I'll be here at the front if you need to come and pray. I know that it's concrete floors and in an echoey room, but you come and you pray with us this morning. If you're here today and, and you've, you've never humbly approached God for saving grace, you've never gone to the throne of God and say, God, I, I need to have a relationship with you. If you're trying to work your way into to doing it on your own, you're, you're missing a great gift in salvation. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching on humility. Help us to be a humble people today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.